Hello, this is Evan Ball. Welcome to Striking a Chord, a podcast presented by Ernie Ball. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with bass player Matt McJunkins. We discuss how Matt landed the job playing bass for Ashes Divide, a band led by Billy Howardell, who's also the guitar player and founding member of A Perfect Circle. Matt eventually also joined A Perfect Circle, which of course is fronted by Maynard, the singer of Tool, who also has another band, Pussifer, which Matt also joined. So we need to figure out what Matt's secret is. Luckily, Matt's going to give us some tips on making it as a professional musician. We'll also get the backstory on his band, The Beta Machine, which he founded with drummer Jeff Friedel. We'll also discuss going to school for music. If you get too schooled in your instrument, do you run the risk of losing your mojo? Matt's got some thoughts on that. Matt will also talk about growing up playing music in the desert. He'll give us some music recommendations and much more. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen... I present to you, Matt McJunkins. Hi everyone, I'm here with Matt McJunkins, bass player of A Perfect Circle and The Beta Machine. He's played with many other bands, Pussifer, Eagles of Death Metal, Ashes Divide, 30 Seconds to Mars. Matt McJunkins, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'd like to start in the beginning. Um, When did you start playing? I was born. How did your grandparents meet? (laughs) Yeah, so when did you start playing bass, and uh, how did it come about? Yeah, so I started off, I was uh, a drummer. My older brother, Eric, got into playing drums. I think for him, it was maybe like during junior high school, I think is when he got into it. So this is out in Palm Springs. That's where I grew up for the most part. And uh, so he got into it, like he just, he dove in. You know, he got, he was in drumline and doing the whole thing, playing uh, in all the all the bands that you could play in, in in school in middle school, Raymond Cree Middle School, and and uh, you know he, he had this really good friend Andy Fraga Jr. Uh, who's an amazing drummer too. That you know so they were like kind of drum buddies. You know like there's fucking you know they were like they were just super into drums, and super into music, and and yeah. Andy came from uh, comes from a very musical family. So I think you know my brother Eric was around that a lot. So that kind of just rubbed off on me. It was like, oh, it looks fun. Like, I don't know, my older brother doing stuff, playing music. Like, I've always been super into music since I remember being like five years old, hearing the Beach Boys in the car and just having this, like, there's some sort of unattainable magic to it. It seems so, I don't know, it just affected your mood. the, The happy songs make you feel good. The sad songs make you feel sad. I've always felt that way. I've always been very affected by music quite easily. Um, and so I think it was just a natural, and, and both my brothers, you know, like and my mom and like everyone just listened to music all the time. It was always on, we're always talking about stuff. Uh, you know, they were always talking about like shows they'd been to or, you know, or you know, my older brothers were like, yeah, this this new record came out. Like my, I remember my oldest brother Danny came home with uh Hysteria by Def Leppard, and that was like the first CD that I ever heard. And he had like a boom box, like a little boom box. And I just remember like looking at it, like looking at the liner notes. It looks so futuristic and sci-fi. And like, you know, of course, I was very into Star Wars and still am. And so it, there was like a connection with like that sci-fi thing. I don't know. It was just like, oh, you can be, you can make this music that affects 
your emotions, but also like have this sort of cinematic quality to it. It seems so larger than life, you know, uh, especially and then, then MTV being a big influence because then there's fucking music videos on all the time. You see these people on stage, you know, like the live videos or you see them just like not only are they playing music that you like and it affects you at an emotional level, but also they fucking look cool and you're like, I want to do that. You know, I mean, I don't think I thought of it in such a clear way at the time, but it certainly rubbed off on me. And, um, and I was always very much into film and television as well. And I, I think maybe there was a time where I, I never really considered getting into it, but I just enjoyed it. And I think I could have gone down that road maybe to, I don't know, do something in film, maybe try to, you know, fucking camera man, I don't know, director or a writer or something, probably not an actor. Um, I don't think that's really, uh, in my wheelhouse, but, um, but you had this artistic impulse. Yeah. There was something about being around that stuff, creating something that affected people. Yeah. Going back to the thing with my brother. So, so he was playing drums all the time. And so I did the same thing. I ended up getting into the school band, um, like sixth grade, so middle school, same school, Raymond Cree Elementary, Raymond Cree Middle School, sorry. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I really enjoyed it. I was like, cool, I get to be around music all the time. And it was like in school too, or school's so fucking boring, you know? You're like, oh, thank God I could do something that's like a little bit of fun uh, here, uh, other than like playing basketball, 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 <laughs> basketball, basketball. Um, yeah, playing a beat of beats, basketball. Um, Playing basketball at like lunch or you know uh, a PE or so, you know shit like that's fun. But like I don't know, I just I didn't really enjoy the school aspect of school. But if I could go every day and get to play music, then it kind of just yeah, made the pill that's a little awesome. harder to or easier to swallow. Yeah. By the time I got into high school, I, I you know I just kept going. Um, actually, no, but yeah, by eighth grade, that's when I got my first bass. It was my for my birthday, so. Around that time, or just before, my brother Eric had gotten a drum, his first drum set, and that was like that was like a big deal. He's like, "Yeah, you're in school band, you're playing the marching band, you know all that stuff." I'm like, no, I have my own fucking drum kit, and so I would just sit there with him while he's playing drums, and then like once in a while, you know, he you know he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll show you how to play this like ACDC beat or this Def Leppard beat or something." So I would play for a little bit and like, "Yeah, cool, this is kind of fun." And then, you know, it's his drum kit. So he'd like get like, all right, get off that thing. I'm going to sit in there and play. So it just kind of got old pretty quick. Like I think that happened like a, a handful of times. I was just like, oh, I think I was probably complaining about it. And uh, and my oldest brother, Danny, was like, well, why don't you play something else so you guys can play together? I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that is the most genius thing that I, like, I just didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, well, I'm playing drums. I play drums in school all the time. I guess I'm a drummer. Like That's what I'm going to do for a while until I get tired of it. And then I realized, oh, yeah, it could be fun to play something else. Um, but I had never considered playing another instrument. I just, it didn't, the thought never crossed my mind. I was 13 at the time or about to turn 13. And so, yeah. I'm kind of curious about growing up in the desert. So desert, we're talking Palm Springs area. So mm -hmm. inland of L.A., 
Palm Desert, Coachella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with the success of bands like Queens of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal, it's kind of put that area on the map. I sure. hear things like Absolutely. even desert rock, the yeah. desert scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, those guys being a little bit older than you, as you were growing up, were you aware of a, a scene or, or a, like a buzz around certain bands in that area? Not until a little later. I do remember hearing some of those names, like hearing Caius tossed around and you know stuff Which like was, that. Which uh, was... Josh's mm-hmm. right. previous band yes, before yes, Queens before of the Stone Queens. Age. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, I think I just I was not hip. I wasn't hip to the to the to the like the generator parties and all that. The okay. sort of the lore and all yeah. the cool shit that was going on. I was just like oh, I was just in school being a kid and like working on my own stuff. I got I don't know. I fucking wish to God I would have known about that stuff or could have found out about it some way and like gotten into that. Um, at an earlier age, because I, I missed out on it while it was happening, and got into it like later on. You know, um, was there still kind of a scene when you in your? Era I guess there? so. I mean, by the time I graduated high school, like Queens was already like Songs for the Deaf was out. You know, so like that was all they were already like out of the desert. You know, the Caius wasn't a thing. Queens had already like developed into this fucking rad big sort of bigger thing, you know. So so what the the desert scene as far as like local bands at the time was, I don't you know it was like just buddies of mine that I went to high school with and stuff. But like yeah, um, not any bands that really ever broke out of that, you know, and 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 uh, not not part of that scene, you know, not part of like the desert scene right. that you're referring to. And it gets a little extra buzz. You have festivals, Coachella. Now, yeah. Companies well, like I mean, Ernie Coachella, Ball, obviously. Yeah. Who? <laughs> Check, please. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And at the time, I didn't know about any of that stuff. Coachella, I think the first year in Coachella was 99, I think. And I graduated 2001 from high school. and I moved out like the next year. So I never went to Coachella. I mean, I never went to the festival at the time. And it wasn't, it was, it was a big new thing, but it wasn't, obviously it wasn't what it is now. Um, so yeah, there was buzz around it and stuff, but. So was that not a hometown connection when you played with Eagles of Death Metal? No, I didn't know them no from long. there at all. Yeah, it's just a, the connection. Um, well, I guess knowing knowing Troy Van Leeuwen, that was the connection, Troy Boy, um, was, uh, was the, uh, I, I yeah, through, playing with a perfect circle and actually even before that playing with actually before that playing with ashes divide that was probably the first connection because troy being in uh, a perfect circle back in the day i want to back up a little bit before you got in those bands you actually moved out to la from the desert mm-hmm. to study music yeah uh towards the end of high school it was very clear in my mind that that's what i wanted to do is either berkeley in boston or mi in hollywood and Fucking Berkeley's cold, or I mean Boston's cold, and uh, and it's far away. And uh, I knew that, uh, you know, if I just moved to LA, it was only a couple hours away, and I could be closer to home. You know, in case I fall on my face, for one, you know, in case like I move and I go to music school, and like then what? You know, like then things don't work out. You're sure. like an hour and a half drive from home, so it's not that bad. Whereas like being in Boston, I think I would have felt a lot more isolated. And just didn't really know. And I had my buddy Andy, uh, same Andy Fraga Jr., who uh, who was good friends with my brother, the drummer. He lived in L.A. at the time. So I was like, okay, at least I know one guy. Yeah. At least I know one guy out here in this 
fucking massive city. What are your thoughts on, on formal schooling? Like, do you think there's advantages in perfecting your craft theory or just networking? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have the time and the money or you can get a scholarship or a grant or something, whatever, if you have the means and the time and you're serious about music or serious about anything, like why not? Why not? Cause, cause what, what better way to just jump into it? If you want to be a filmmaker, go to a fucking film school. You want to be an artist, go to an art school because not only are you receiving the information and getting the advice, you're also getting the experience. You're working with other people. You're seeing like you're learning just from your peers, also your your teachers. Being in an environment where you're, everyone was trying to do that, but also everyone's being supportive because they understand that that's what you're trying to do. It was very inspiring yeah, to be around other people yeah, yeah being being around other people that were doing the same shit that you wanted to do um i think is very helpful and very inspiring i highly recommend anyone who's serious about or maybe if you're not sure if you're serious try doing it and see what happens you know what but if someone so, says i don't want to get too schooled because i'll get homogenized and, and lose my edge uh then they shouldn't go and that's but that's bullshit i mean there was i mean and that's okay too. Uh, I think uh, homogenized. Jesus. Yeah, I think I heard that somewhere. No, I no, it's true. <laughs> I just like I, I just I scoff at those things because you're still gonna be you. You know, it's you. Your taste and your choice as a musician or an artist is is um, the most important thing in a, a, a person in, in anyone who's making who's anyone who's creating anything. That's the biggest thing is just your taste, the choices that you make, the skills that you make, the skills that you learn, the information uh, that you absorb, the experience you absorb, all that's going to affect what you are capable of or what you might choose to do. But even if like the most skilled person can still make a piece of fucking garbage if they have poor taste or what's considered to be poor taste to someone else. It's all subjective anyway. So no, I think, I think I think having training is is you're still you better with yeah a exactly. bigger toolbox not, yeah, and more connections. You can be, yeah, exactly. You just you just have a uh, you just have more skills. You can still write the same music and still you can make a choice to to play a certain way, even if you know how to not play that way. It's not gonna like force you to do anything. It's still a choice. You can still decide later on to like, ah eh, fuck, I don't want to do that. Yeah, anyway. It's all a choice. Great. Yeah. So, so where, where, what are we so, talking? Uh, where where am I? Uh, <laughs> so let's see. So Ashes Divide was that? That was the, was that? Dimension. Is that sort of your maybe not big break, but your your ticket into it, yeah, playing absolutely. professionally? Absolutely. And I'm I'm very 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 grateful for that. Um, and that's with Billy, you know, Billy Howardall from Perfect Circle as well. That's you know that's his band. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Because at the time, I mean, I played. So after after I went to music school, I was kind of in that same same mode that I had been in previously. Was like, okay, I have all this information. I have all these new skills. What the fuck am I gonna do with them? Well, like, well, I have to pay my rent. You know, I have to like live. If I want to keep living in L.A. and I don't want to go back home and move in with my parents, I'm. I need to. I need to survive somehow. I have. So I just started playing with whomever I could like just going on Craigslist. Like who's, who's hiring a bass player? Cause 
that's what I do now. Like, I guess I'm a professional bass player. Like, someone needs to pay me to play these gigs. And in doing that, I learned a lot of shit and got better. And um, I just kept playing with bands and also like some original bands that I, you know, had uh, joined at the time. But um, that was tough because if I spent a lot of time playing with those people, that I literally would like not be able to pay my rent. It was, it was, you know, so it was like I had to like keep making these choices of like, okay, do I want to focus on this artistic creative side? But if I, I will literally starve or have to move back home. And I was like, well, I don't want to fucking move back home. So I'm just going to try to get by and, and play with people and get hired to do so until I found myself in a position where I could be a little more picky about who I played with. And, that's why playing with Ashes Divide was such a big thing for me because I was already into a perfect circle growing up, you know, in high school and stuff. So, so when that came around, I'd already like done some auditions like through Barry Squire. Uh, you know, he's the guy in LA that you call and he, you know, he, he helps you find that stuff or if like a band needs a Rolodex of instrumentalists or singers or whatever, he's the guy to call and he has been for years. And, uh, and, and I got onto his roster through MI pretty much. Ashes Divide came up in one of those auditions was like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? Like tomorrow? Or I think it was like two days. I think I, I think I got a call in the evening and it was like the day after the next day was the audition. It's always how those things are. It's the worst. <laughs> you get to everybody. You're like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm out to lunch. Like I'm like, I got to drop everything and just like go home, learn these songs and just like stay up all night. And like, you know, if you really want to get it, that's what it takes. That's the dedication that it takes. So that was not only was that like that Ashes Divide thing was, was sort of the gateway into me playing with other bands that you know led to that led to Pussifer and that led to a perfect circle. I think in, in some roundabout way, playing with Ashes led to uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. Um, cause that's the other thing too, is like, once you do play with a band like that, people go like, okay, this guy's like, you can, you can, you can rely gonna, like, on this yes, guy. He's exactly, a professional. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I made it, I made it through that process and, uh, yeah. And, and that's kind of, and that led to a perfect circle and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk about this awesome new band I just found called the beta machine. Fuck yes. Today's episode is brought to you by the Ernie Ball Axis Capo, featuring a dual radius design that conforms to both curved and flat fretboards, ensuring buzz-free play. Quick single-handed operation allows for fast and accurate key changes. Available in four finishes, get your Ernie Ball Axis Capo at your favorite guitar store today. Check out the show notes for more details. All right, let's talk about the Beta Machine. So this is a band that you play bass in and sing, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming write most of the material. Uh, Jeff and I write the material together. Okay, so Jeff's the drummer. Mm-hmm. You also have another lead singer, a female vocalist. Yep. So you two, and a guitar player. Uh, is this how you're spending most of your time at this point? Yeah, well, it has been the the focus. That is, that's that's certainly my priority at the moment, as it is Jeff's. We we finished the record uh, called Intruder. Yep, yep. and uh, that's sort of like our debut. We put out an EP called All This Time of 2017, uh, but this is like our first full length album. So I guess technically it's our debut. When we started the Beta Machine, you know, it's it all very gradual and very. Um, there was no like. 
hey man, let's start a band together. Like it wasn't, that conversation didn't happen until years after we started started working together, um, which, which happened at the beginning because Jeff and I had to help uh, come up with ideas for Pussifer live show. And so Jeff and I started uh, getting together and working on ideas and sending them to Matt and Maynard. And like we sent like a few, maybe, I don't even remember how many, but we definitely sent more than a couple and like no response. You know, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, this, <laughs> this yeah. isn't going very well. And then at a certain point we sent one idea and they were like, yes, like the, like you're on the right track. Fuck yeah. Like they were stoked about it. We were like, all right, cool. So we kept going and trying to develop different ideas and send it to them. It was a sort of uh, mailbox thing that we were doing. But in the meantime, Jeff and I were just getting to, you know, like in doing that we had played a bunch of different things together and we we're recording them and we we're like well, that's kind of cool like i like that maybe that doesn't that thing doesn't work for this band but it was and and we didn't necessarily like keep a lot of that stuff they were just little riffs and like little like just bass and drums but we enjoyed the process of just working and creating together eventually got to the point where like okay well this instrument these instrumental versions are kind of cool like what about vocals and we we're like we had a little list of people that we wanted to work with that were just, you know, maybe friends and like people who were like, oh yeah, I could actually call this person and they would maybe want to try it if they like the music. And then the more we thought about it, like the further down the road we got, we were like, this is gonna be a fucking pain in the ass. Like, what do we have a different singer on every single song? Oh my God, it sounds horrible. Just the logistics alone of like arranging the time, you know, that everyone's in town and available. And so just to get it started i went in the room with a bottle of jack daniels one time to muster up a little courage and uh i just started bar, 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 into you the not microphone. Before? i mean i sang backup with other bands um but it was i'd never been like a lead vocal never ever and um so lyrics melodies the tone of my voice i had no idea what was going to come out it was really really scary and so I did it by myself. I was like recorded myself and I just, just sang over these songs. I think, I think pictures was the first one. And, Great uh, song. thanks man. Yeah. Thank you. On the EP. Yep. Um, insert plug here. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it took doing that, um, getting through that, having the balls to try and do it and fail, but also like, I think just coming up with just enough of a part that I like was like, that's kind of okay. And like, hey, Jeff, what do you think of this? Is it, it's terrible. I know it's terrible. Boo, you know. And he was like, no, dude, there's something that's kind of cool. Like, there's something I'm like, oh, really? We didn't have like a lot of confidence in it because we just didn't know. We didn't know. Like, the idea of starting a band after playing for so long and so many other bands. It just it felt kind of almost like silly in a way. We're like, are we really gonna fucking start this whole process like from scratch? And like, why? Like, why? You know, like, well, because it's fun. You know, like, who cares? I think you, you guys definitely tapped into a, a good lane. Thanks, you know, your man. voices Thanks. work really well together. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm someone who who definitely struggles to find new music, but cool. It's uh, well, yeah, I'm glad it's you in, found in the rotation ours. now. Oh, awesome! Um, Thank you. So I'm kind of curious that your the experiences you have with these different bands. I mean, the Beta Machine's got to be kind of like your baby. Yeah. But on the absolutely. other hand, a perfect circle has to be super fun. You're playing these giant, elaborately staged shows. Yeah. Uh, how do you think about your different bands? Um, I mean, they, yeah, they're they're so obviously different from 
in those very obvious ways of, of, of the size shows that we played. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you said it, it's like, yeah, the beta machines, our band. So. How about this? Does just playing bass seem really easy now in a live show? No, no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause even I like, right, like right now I've been writing a lot. Um, not necessarily for the beta machine, but just for, um, just co-writing with some other people and collaborating and stuff. And, uh, in doing that, I end up like, even with the beta machine, it's like this, like I don't play bass a lot necessarily when I'm, when I'm in the writing mode, you know, uh, obviously when we play live, I play bass, but, um, because it's not, you know, when, when you're writing or at least for the beta machine, because I, Jeff and I do wear multiple hats in the band. We're not mm-hmm. just like just the drummer or just the bassist or just the singer. We kind of look at everything and develop all the parts together. So when you're writing and you're recording, you're just you're not singularly you're not singularly focused on anything. Uh, at, and you know you are you are focused on one thing at a time, but you look at the bigger picture. And I and I feel like that's like a you know it's funny they're both equally gratifying because because it's it's quite a lot of weight to hold when you're the one deciding everything that happens um, from the music to the artwork to the tours yeah, and to, yeah. you know, whatever to play bass to just play bass is I wouldn't say it's easier but it's it's just different in the way that like okay I could just really zone in on just this one thing so like in live and, shows and, yeah. and, and, and I sing backups as well yeah. with Perfect Circle and, um, but um yeah, it's just it, I can just focus on like my th- that one thing and how that relates to everyone else. Who are your big influences? Uh, when I first started getting into playing bass, what I was listening to at the time a lot was a shitload of Rush, uh, Yes, Primus, um, a lot of that kind of. I guess you can call it progressive. Mm-hmm. Certainly Rush and Yes, and I guess you could say Primus is progressive, alternative. I don't know what the hell. A main, you know, like some of my favorite shit. So, um, and and obviously bands where the bass kind of took on a very unique role. Sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, Geddy Lee, man, the king. You know, he's yeah. amazing. Not only, yeah, he plays. There's intricate parts, whatever, but it's very musical and very interesting. And of course, being able to play and sing the way he did, I thought that always blew my mind. I mean, look, you don't have to be an amazing virtuoso for me to think that it's awesome, but there's gotta be something there. There's gotta be, yeah, there's gotta be something that tells me that you give a shit. And, um, and I, and I got that at a young age from, from listening to those players. Absolutely. How about bands today that influence you or that you like? Yeah. Today, I mean, it changes a lot more. I guess I'm guilty of the sort of ADD culture that we're in. I can't remember that, you know, like sitting down and listening to a record isn't something I do all the time. I just don't, I'm just busy and like, I don't have time to do that all the time. Um, but bands that I will do, like anytime they come out with something new, uh, you know, I got really into like TV on the radio, um, over the last several years, which I know they've been around for a long time, but I got into them kind of later. Same thing with LCD sound system, uh, St. Vincent, um, band called Melodrone Mm -hmm. and also, uh, Big Black Delta. It's the same guy, uh, Jonathan Bates. Soul Wax, love Soul Wax. What if we made really you choose three albums to recommend to our uh, listeners? Okay, <sighs> Essential by Soul Wax, Seeds by TV on the Radio. I love the newest Failure record. I thought it was great. Um, 
listen to those guys for a long time. Uh, man, that's tough. Oh, uh, Anderson Pack, his last record, Oxnard. Uh, so do you have any advice for people that want to get into the music industry? Quit now. Boom. Just kidding. You um, I think the, I mean, the first most obvious thing is to ask yourself what it is you want to do and be very clear about, uh, be very clear and very honest with yourself about why you want to do it and why you want to play music so that you sort of know just to make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons. Or, I mean, you don't have, you don't have to do that right away, but I mean, if you, if you want to consider it as like a full time thing, and you're at that point, you're like, yeah, I've been playing for a while and it's fun. And you're like, no, I want to do this with my life. Then you need to have a fucking don't just jump in and do it. I mean, yeah, jump in and do it. But while you're doing that, try to have some kind of goal, some sort of like, am I doing it because I want to have this band or, you know, like I was saying, like, that's, you know, that was the same thing. I was you know, had a it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's still ever evolving. I'm always changing, but at least try to have some kind of goal in mind, even if it's not 10 years down the road, just like for this three months from now or something like just try to go like, okay, this is what I want to do now because I want to be doing this in six months or a year or two or whatever. Another thing, this is should be obvious, but be able to put in the work. If you give a shit enough to do something, then you should do it well. Uh, and especially we're so we're so lucky as as artists uh, in any uh, any artistic field to get to do something that we love. So you're already like spoiled by doing that. Like if you earn a living doing something that you just love to do, like at least put in the like work hard for it. You know, like like don't you know? Uh, I, and I think it shows. You know, I think I think things kind of fall by the wayside. You see it all the time with bands where you see their performances kind of or the albums kind of I don't think they took this one very seriously it shows people can see right through that shit you know it's very clear and um, yeah being just putting in the work if you're going to be this is kind of the same thing but fuck it we'll call it another tip if you're going to be a session person who's going to get hired to play in the studio or on tour with somebody just be prepared that's the be cool (laughs) Be, you know, obviously if you're a fucking nutcase or you have a, a substance abuse problems or some sort of any anything like that, that's obviously going to be hard for somebody to deal with, um, you know. Uh, but if you're cool and just mellow, you will find yourself working. And if, if, if you just are prepared and you put in the time, sounds so obvious but people you'd be surprised Uh, people just show up for like big auditions they're like yeah whatever like because maybe they played with somebody that was a big deal or something they have some kind of clout maybe they just they'll kind of go like whatever i got this gig it's easy because i'm me fuck that guess what it's not gonna get you the gig because at the end of the day if you especially if you have that attitude that's just like i don't want to work with this guy this guy's a dick um you know just be cool be humble. I know we're short on time. Let me ask you one more. Um, what kind of strings do you use? Ernie Ball, Super Slinkies. They're the best. Um, so 45 to 100. Yes. Okay. Actually, actually, I use two sets primarily, uh, the 45 to 100s uh, with like the beta machine, anything that's standard tuning or drop D for the most part. 
Um, and then uh, the power slinkies with a perfect circle, anything, anything that's, or Ashes Divide as well. So Matt, where can we find you? Where can listeners look up your stuff, follow you? Somewhere over the rainbow and also online on all the things. I'm online. I'm on the line. I'm holding it down, living it, loving right. it. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Matt McJunkins, thanks for Woo. being on the podcast. Ow. Thanks again for tuning in to Striking a Chord. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would not object to a nice rating on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Matt McJunkins. This was actually the first podcast we recorded, so it was very nice of Matt to be the guinea pig. If you'd like to get a hold of us, email strikingaccord at ernieball.com. Okay, so I think I'll probably introduce him. The human torch was denied a bank loan. The human (laughs) torch was denied a bank loan. Sorry. (laughs) I actually do have web feet. Do you really? Yeah. That's not cool, dude. What the fuck, man? It's cool. I don't think you were saying anything bad about him. (laughs) Better that you said that you have web feet. Just my, like these two. Better to have web feet than be an arsonist. So, yeah. At least it's not. It's no big deal. Yeah.